lights were on. But, but he kept ringing the doorbell and, and nobody came to the door. So he took out his business card and he wrote Revelation 3.20 on the business card and stuck it in the door. And Revelation 3.20 reads, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know, he was, he was being funny. And uh, next Sunday in the offering, there was a note that somebody had written in the offering. And it was the address of the place he had gone to visit. And uh, it, it had written on it, Genesis 3.10. Well, he didn't know what that was right off the top of his head. So he went into his study and got his Bible out and read. And Genesis 3.10 says, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, for I was naked. <laughs> I thought that was so good. Oh, that was so funny. If you've got your Bibles this morning, open them up to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 and 13. Today, folks, we're going to be talking in our third week of the series about the blood covenant, and we're going to talk about our covenant of healing. And I want to tell you, uh, how many of you all, before, we get, before I start reading here, how many of you all have experienced God's healing in your body? You've seen God do a miraculous healing. How many of you all know someone that God has healed them miraculously? Almost everybody in the room. I want to tell you today that our healing, our covenant healing with God, not only includes a physical healing, it also includes emotional healing, psychological healing. When God heals us, He can heal us in any way that we're sick. So if you're here today, and, and maybe in your body you're okay, this message is still for you because maybe you have a broken relationship. Or maybe today you have a past that haunts you and you have memories that haunt you. God's healing works in every area of our life. And we're going to discuss all of that today. Ephesians 2, 11-13 says this, Therefore remember that you once were Gentiles in the flesh, who are called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, that at that time you were without Christ, you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, you were strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now, everybody say, but now. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. As I was studying this week about the promises of God, and I, I went back to Deuteronomy 28. You remember we re read that last week and it said, you'll be blessed here and blessed there and you'll be blessed all over the place. And I began to think about that. We use that word a lot, blessing and blessed, don't we? I said, how are you doing? I'm blessed. You know, have you ever heard anybody say that? I had one guy that I used to know, I'd come up to him, I'd go, man, how are you doing? He'd go, I'm too blessed to be stressed. <laughs> I always thought that was so funny. But I, I decided I, I really wanted to understand what that word blessing and blessed means. So I went and studied it, and I studied it in the Greek, and of course this was written in the Hebrew, and I studied it in the Hebrew. And the bottom line is, when you study this all out, to be blessed, to be to have a blessing put on you is happiness or happy, joyfulness, prosperity, or a favorable situation. If you are blessed of God, and I, and I loved it because almost every translation I looked at said happiness. And I thought about that. Happiness. Have you ever just been happy? You know, think about a situation in your life, those times where there's just a joy in you, there's just a happiness in you, there's a contentment in you. And when you read these scriptures, and God's talking in Deuteronomy 28 when He's speaking to us, He said, you'll be blessed in all these different things, and He lists all of those out. You'll be happy, joyful, you'll be in a favorable situation in your body. You'll be in a favorable situation in your family. Your finances will be blessed, favorable. And I thought about that. What an amazing promise God has given us to be happy, to be prosperous, to be in a favorable situation. That is our covenant promise. And I am so excited. And I want you to understand something. As, as we're learning about the covenant, number one in your notes, if you're one of my note takers. And by the way, I've had a number of you come up and threaten that if I do not cover all the blanks, you're going to have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> 
And I apologize, many of you know I'm not detailed. Let me explain to you how these sermons work, okay? This is what I'm learning as your new pastor and as a new senior pastor. I go in and I spend about 10 to 12, 15 hours a week usually preparing my messages. And I write them out and I get them all nailed down. About a third of the message happens when I stand up here in the morning. I've got it all written out, and I'll get up here, and sure as the world, God will give me some things as I'm talking to you that I don't have in here. So sometimes you just have to write stuff down, okay? Because I don't even know what's going to happen. <laughs> like that. I didn't know that was going to happen. No, but I come in, and I really try to pray because the bottom line is God wants to meet you at the point of your need, and he may need me to say something to you that's not written in my notes. Right? And I think it's okay if he wants to do that. Now, the other side of that is I may write notes and I may skip all over the place. The toughest job in the church is the person running the video screens, which today happens to be Cindy, bless her heart. Everybody say, bless your heart. <laughs> because they're trying to keep up with me and keep up with what's going on. But I think what I'm going to start doing is providing you the answers out in the lobby after the service. The reason I want to do it after the service is because you note takers will be looking at it and reading ahead. And we don't want that, okay? So start next week, Cindy, remind me, and we'll, we'll leave the answers out in the lobby for folks after the service, okay? Just to be a blessing and no more threatening notes to me. I think that would be awesome. Number one, applied knowledge. Applied knowledge is power. Applied knowledge is power. If you understand your rights as an American citizen, you have power. Education is power. The Word talks about that many people go into bondage for their lack of understanding. They don't know. And because they don't have the knowledge or the understanding, they are taken captive by the enemy. So, it's very important for us that we study the Word of God so that we understand what our covenant rights and privileges are. I have included for you today two pages, front and back, a front and back page, so two pages, of notes that are scriptures purely about healing. Scriptural covenant promises purely about healing. So whatever situation you're facing in your life, you or a loved one or someone you know, those are scriptural promises the Bible gives us about healing. And I told you last week and, the, and even the week before that, that it is incumbent upon you, if you are facing a situation in your life, whatever the challenge is, relationally, at school, it doesn't matter how old or young you are, you need to get in the Bible and see what the Bible says about that situation. Does that make sense? If you're having challenges at work with your boss, you need to get in the Scripture and find Scriptures about honoring your boss and working. It's all in there. And if you will do what God tells you to do, He will bring you to your desired end. But see, a lot of times we don't understand what we're supposed to do. We just do what we think feels right. Has anybody ever done anything that they thought just felt right? What usually happens? Train wreck, you know? Why? Because it feels like I should do this. I feel like I should do that. And you may feel yourself into a ditch. And that usually happens. So we've got all these promises in the Bible, but let me tell you something. They don't do you any good if you don't know what they are and you don't apply them to your life. So today we're, of course, talking about healing, but this applies to any situation that you're facing. And if you come see me and you say, Pastor, this is a situation I'm dealing with, my reference manual is right here. Have you ever put a bicycle together without reading the, the notes? Guys? Anybody ever constructed something? The first thing you did when you opened the box was throw the instructions away. And what do you do? You set the picture up. <laughs> right? Thank you. I mean, I see some honest people right here. And, and the first thing you do is go, I can do that. And you get done and there's four pieces still on the ground, you know. And you wonder what's going to happen. The reason, <laughs> the reason we're given an instruction manual is so that we will not miss any steps. And a lot of times we do that in life. But we do that and, and it's to our own detriment. The reason we have manuals, the reason in the military we had standard operating procedures is so that we had a checklist that we knew what to do. And somebody else before us had made a lot of mistakes and they figured out we shouldn't do it that way. So they wrote a book. That says, hey, don't do what I did. And at the bottom they put dummy. 
But we go into bondage. We make mistakes because we don't understand. So we have to get this Bible. Now, the second thing is we have to get the manual. But, I mean, the first thing is we have to get the manual. The second thing is we have to read it. It doesn't do you any good to have the instructions if you don't read them. The third part is you have to apply them. So you read, you apply. Amen? All right, see, that wasn't in your notes. That's one of those free things I'm talking about. Proverbs 29 18 in the King James Version says this, Where there is no vision, where there is no understanding, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Proverbs 29 18, if you put a reverse on that, if you read it in the positive, says this, Where there is redemptive revelation of our covenant rights, privileges, and benefits, the people what? Prosper and flourish. That's the opposite of that scripture. So if you understand what your covenant rights and privileges are, you will prosper. So in other words, we need to really understand this. Amen? So number three in your notes, 2 Peter 1, verses 2 through 4. I'm making you guys just crawl all over the Bible, aren't I? But I think that's a good thing. 2 Peter Verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says this. Well, first of all, let me say this. The covenant covers it all. In your blank there, the covenant covers it all. And when I say it covers it all, any situation that you face, the, there is a promise in the covenant that covers that situation. It's in there, but you need to go find it. Verse 2 reads, Grace and peace multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given us unto all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious what? promises that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature again what the word is telling us is that we need to understand what the promises are so that we can apply them to our situation again it's a call to study it's a call to look it's a call to understand psalm 103 verses 1 through 5 says this folks we have a covenant of divine healing and i'm going to read just one set of scriptures today that talks about that Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. And then there's a list of benefits here. So if you like to take notes, write this down. Write, write down Psalm 103, verse 3, 4, and 5, and listen to these. Here are the benefits. He redeems your life from destruction. Anybody been redeemed from destruction? I know I was. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Now that doesn't sound like a whole lot. But I want to tell you something. When he crowns you with that, think about that. He could have crowned you with anything. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. When you mess up, he's there to be merciful for you, to you. That's awesome, because I make a lot of mistakes. And it makes me feel good to know that he has crowned me. He loves me. He is loving and kind to me, and he has crowned me with mercy. And verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is re renewed like the eagles. Your re youth is renewed like the eagles. But verse 3, let's read that one again. Who forgives all your iniquities and heals what? All your diseases. How many? Does that include everything? See, that word all, isn't it funny? It's just three little letters. A-L-L. -L. But it means everything. So if God is saying that he can cure all of our diseases, he means every disease there is. Mental, physical, emotional, it doesn't matter. He can cure them all. So verse 3, 
in your notes there. Verse 3, he heals all of our diseases. That's your blank there. So number two is one of the articles of the covenant is our right and privilege to divine, excuse me, our right and privilege to live in divine health. That is a covenant promise that we have. We have that right to live in divine health, but we have to exercise that right. And I want you to understand something today, folks, and, and I believe in a practical gospel because I believe Jesus is a practical guy. And let me tell you something. If you know you need to lose weight, like some of us, even though black is slimming, I still need to lose weight. You probably can't tell that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if, if you need to lose weight and you go, Lord, help me lose weight, and you eat Twinkies all day, is that going to work? Barring a miracle, that's not going to work. Okay? So here's the deal. You also have to exercise wisdom and discipline. Okay? Remember, the way we believe God is we work like it's up to us, but we trust God to do what only he can do. Because he's given us a mind, and he's given us will and emotions, and there's an expectation as a disciple, as a disciplined one, to do what he says. And, you know, we're quick to condemn people that, that are on drugs or do different things in the world. But, man, the Bible talks a lot about gluttony, too, doesn't it? And see, I can say that because I got a little bit in here that I don't need. And, and it's so funny, Tony, I got to tell on us, man. We went down to the river yesterday kayaking. <laughs> I've never been in one. And it was obvious, okay? And so what happened yesterday is Ronnie's got these two-person kayaks. So Tony's never been in one either. But, you know, Tony was an Ar Army Ranger Special Forces guy. I was in college. I did some Ranger training. So, you know, hey, <laughs> we're big military guys. We're going to get after it. And Kennedy gets in the middle. <laughs> bless your heart. Everybody say, bless your heart. It was a bless your heart day for her. <laughs> she got baptized three or four times on the trip down the river. She finally, I'll tell you how bad it was, after the third or fourth time that we flipped over, Kennedy looked at Tony and I, and she got out of our boat and swam across the river and got on the boat with Slade, who's 15. <laughs> Didn't she, Slade? And she was looking at us like, I am done with y'all. But, but I want to tell you, I have no idea where I was going. I really was going somewhere. But, but we didn't have any real knowledge in this situation. We had experience. We had experience. But I want to tell you, after we figured out what not to do, we went back up the river, and we both got in, <laughs> in two-man canoes or two-man kayaks, and we're going down the river. And, y'all, it was so cool because we got to this one place that it was just barely moving, and this bald eagle flew right over the top of where we were. It was really, really awesome. And, and just, you know... Being out there and experiencing what God has created and what God has made is just an amazing thing. But I can tell you also that we had zeal without knowledge. <laughs> we didn't read a manual. All I've ever seen about kayaking was some show where some guy was going down waterfalls, you know. I mean, I didn't know anything. And we paid for it. And bless Kennedy's heart, she really paid for it. <laughs> but sometimes if we, if we don't have the knowledge that we need, we can get into a lot of trouble. Now imagine if that would have been a real waterfall that we were going down. Somebody else might be talking to you this morning. <laughs> so we have to really understand what God's calling us to do. Amen? But I was thinking about the right and privilege that we have to have divine healing in our body. And there's something else that I wanted to share with you today that was not in the original study, but I did put it in your notes. And that's number three, and it's talking about rest. R-E-S-T. And I did not realize this, but it's one of the things that God has shown me over the years when I pray for people. And some of you I prayed for, and you probably even wondered why I said this. But I will pray for you that you will sleep well. I do that. And I will ask you, usually after I prayed for you a day or two later, I go, how did you rest the other night? Why? Because when you're stressed... When you're emotionally taxed, anybody ever gone to bed stressed and woke up stressed? I have. Where you go to bed thinking about something and it is so on your mind, you'll dream about it or bears are chasing you in your dreams or whatever. And you wake up and you're wore out. There are Bible promises that even cover that. And there's three of them right here. So some of you right now that are emotionally or physically 
or psychologically being challenged, you have divine promises about rest. And you need to apply those. And there's three of them right here. Psalm 127 verse 2 says, He gives His beloved sleep. He gives His beloved sleep. Number two, Proverbs 3.24 says this, Thy sleep shall be sweet. Your sleep shall be sweet. Jeremiah 31.26 says this, My sleep was sweet to me. There are covenant promises for everything. We just need to go find them. So I want to tell you today, if you are dealing with something physically, psychologically, emotionally, whatever, you have a covenant right to rest so that the devil cannot torment you when you sleep. And God wants you to have that because he wants you to be rested. Amen? Luke 13, 10 through 16. I'm going to read two stories about two women today that were healed in the Bible. And we're going to see how we can apply these. Amen? Luke 13, 10 through 16 says this. The, the title, I love it, Jesus Heals on the Sabbath. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up. Another translation that I read said she had arthritis. That's what had bent her over, was arthritis. For 18 years, she couldn't even stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and he said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her and instantly she could stand up straight. How she praised God. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant. Religious people really make me mad. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on those days to be healed, not on the Sabbath. (laughs) But the Lord replied, you hypocrites, each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out for water. This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, and I want you to mark that, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years Isn't it right that she be released, even if it's on the Sabbath? I'm going to read another one. Mark 5, verses 25 through 34. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus... So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once the healing power that had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and he said, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. And then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened for her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, mark this, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. There are two commonalities in these scriptures that struck out to me as I was studying them this week. What did Jesus say to both the women that was exactly the same? Daughter. Daughter of Abraham. Now, you all being covenant experts now understand what that means, don't you? What was Jesus referring to? He was pointing back to the covenant promises that they had as children of Abraham. He was looking at that covenant. And he knew that the covenant said, as people that were part of the blood covenant, they, belong, they, they deserved to be free. They were the daughters of Abraham. They deserved to be free. And he knew that these were, were God's precious daughters, and he was reminding them in a way, he was reminding them who they were. 
And I love that so much. And I can imagine, now understand the lady who had the issue of bleeding, she was ceremonially unclean. She wouldn't even hardly go out in public because she was ostracized from everybody because she was unclean. So for her to step out and push through that crowd and and try to get to Jesus meant she was putting all those biases behind her. But she had enough faith. She didn't want to bother him. She just wanted to touch his garment. Because she believed if she could get close to him, he would heal her. And she was right. He did. And he reached back. And see, remember, we have to understand this is a different day when women held a different place in society. So here is this unclean woman who, remember, all these people in the village understand she's unclean. She's outside her house. She's embarrassed to be outside. And what does Jesus do? I love him. (laughs) He's awesome. He stops. And he says, who touched me? Because he felt power go out of his body. And the disciples said, what do you mean who touched you, Jesus? Everybody's crowding in on you. He said, no, somebody touched me differently. Somebody touched me in faith. And of course he knew. And he turned around and he saw her. And she comes to him frightened, probably somewhat embarrassed because of what everybody's saying. Because you know how religious people get. And he lifts her up and looks at her and says, daughter of Abraham, daughter, your faith has made you well. And he restored her. Not only did he restore her physically, he restored her socially in that community. All at the same time. That's our Jesus, y'all. And you know, as I was reading through Scripture, and I love it, you can sit here right now and you can go through the Gospels and almost, it seems like every page or every other page, Jesus went around to all the towns and villages and what was He doing? He said He was healing the sick and He was setting people free everywhere He went. And it'll say they were all healed. You know, we don't have all the, all the different times that happened, all the different situations, but it almost seemed like everywhere Jesus went, somebody got healed. Everybody got healed. And I thought about this this morning as I was sitting over here. This is one of the 30% of my message that's not written down. When I stand up here and I talk to you guys about being his hands and feet, what am I saying? It's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to do. Wherever you go, if the Spirit of God lives in you, if you are saved and the Spirit of God lives in you, wherever you go, you represent Jesus. And the same power, the Word says, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives where? In you. In you. Everybody say, in me. Is it up to you to heal somebody? Nope. See, that's why we don't ever get a big heal, a big big head about it if you come down here today and i'm going to invite some of you down in a few minutes to pray and if i lay hands on you and god heals you it's not me it's the power that lives in me that lives in you it's no different just because i'm a pastor doesn't mean it's any different you have the same power in you and i want to tell you something farmers those of you that have livestock i've told my dog story but i think it's important so i'm going to tell it again I was saved, freshman in college, going to Southwestern, grew up Methodist, heard about the Holy Spirit. My grandmother spoke in tongues. I didn't know much about it, but, but I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and I went home one night because I was living at home, saving money because, you know, that's what you got to do. And I'm at home, and I had a bird dog, Brian, English Pointer, beautiful dog, had two speeds, Mach 3 and sleep. I mean, if he was awake, he was running, boy. And, and I came in one night, and J.J. was in the garage, and somehow or another he'd gotten into some chemicals. He'd eaten, gotten into some stuff. And I walked in the garage, and I knew something was bad wrong. He was, he was literally wobbling around, and I could look at his eyes, and I knew he was going to die. Whatever he'd gotten into was going to kill him. Well, here I am. I'm a new believer, and this is my dog, and, and I've been hearing that Jesus heals people. And I'm hearing the Jesus heals stuff, and this is my dog who's going to die. And I love how God puts up with us. 
And I went over there, and I said, J.J., and I laid hands on him. I said, in Jesus' name, be healed. And that dog was instantly healed. And I said a couple things. One of them was, wow, this really works. (laughs) So, yes, I do have a dog healing ministry. (laughs) But I want to tell you something, farmers. If one of your animals is sick, pray for them. Because, you know, people go, don't give me that religious stuff. He crowns me with mercy and loving kindness. He loves me. And what I love, he's interested in. And if I pray on a, for a dog and believe he's going to get healed, why can't he? Because the same faith that heals that dog will get you healed. And the reason he probably got healed is he didn't have a mind to argue with God. Right? He just said, okay. Well, he didn't say that, but, you know. (laughs) I'd have made a lot of money right then, wouldn't I? Y'all look at this. This is a healed talking dog. But I believe God cares about what we care about. So when you pray for your business, God is interested in your business. When you pray for your animals, God's interested in your animals. When you pray for your pet, God's interested. God is interested in what you're interested in. And the power of God lives in you. Now, I don't want to go out in the parking lot and see somebody walking around laying hands on trees. I mean, that's your business. (laughs) But I tell you what, he can do it. He's God. And I love the fact, and I can't get away from the fact, that the Bible says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and me. And I've seen it. And y'all know me that are around me. I'm not super spiritual. I'm not one of these people that, oh, I believe, you know, I pray before I go to the grocery store so that I, Lord, which tuna fish brand do I buy? I don't believe in that. That's goofy. What I do believe is God loves us and he has a plan and healing is for today. And when I pray for somebody, even if they're on their deathbed, I believe God can raise them up because he will and he can. He has a different plan for each of us, but I believe he can do that. And we should. So the first thing under these scriptures for you note takers is being a daughter of Abraham. That was the key covenant phrase here. They deserve to be free because God loves them. And if you remember, if you go back to 2 Peter, the same promises that are in there are for us today. That woman had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. But she was a woman of the covenant, and she was loosed from sickness according to your covenant with God. According to our covenant with God, we're free. So here's the question that I have for you today. In order to receive healing, it is essential that we know our Heavenly Father and know our covenant. And the question is why? And I'll tell you what the answer is. Because if you don't have the knowledge, if you don't believe that God can heal and wants to heal, you won't be healed. You have to have the faith like that woman did. And I want to tell you something. Whatever the situation is, whatever challenge you're facing, you need to push through the crowd till you can get to Jesus. And you don't need to be worried about what the crowd thinks. You don't need to be worried about the situation that you're facing. You need to press in until you get the healing. Until you get the answer for your finances. Until you get your family restored. You need to press through the crowd. Because here's the deal. Jesus has the answers. And he can also do something about it. And he wants to. He wants to. He loves us. You know, Memorial Day is about honoring those that have given everything so that we could be free. Our relationship with Jesus is about honoring him because the same reason he died, his blood was shed so that we could be free. Then let's walk in the freedom. I mean, think about this, and I'm going to close here. Why would we as Americans dishonor the memory and the blood of all those that have been shed before us and say, you know what, I know all those guys died for us, but, but let's, just, let's just all go live in a prison. We don't deserve to be free. You know, let's let somebody else take over our country. We don't deserve to be free. Would we do that? No. Then why do we settle for anything less as covenant partners with God? Because we're saying the same thing. 
The other day I was talking to the Lord and I was praying about some challenges. Because even pastors have challenges beyond kayaking. (laughs) And I was praying. And it was so funny. I love the way God talks to me. He always talks to me in a way and I understand real slow, you know. <laughs> but I said, God, and I was praying about this situation. And, the, and I was praying one way, and I love the way he always answers me. It always seems like in a totally different way. He just cuts to the chase. And I'm praying about this situation, and I'm praying, and he says this. You don't trust me. And I went, uh, uh. yeah, I guess I don't. See, we have to get to the place where we believe what he says and we trust him. And it's a simple faith. Remember the reason Jesus showed everybody the faith of the kids? Because they just trust God. And he honors his word and he does what he says he's going to do. The faith of a child, Jesus said. And that's how we have to trust him. When we get to the place as a people, as an individual, and as a church, where we just believe this book and we just do what God says... Even in the little things. The reason I've been talking a lot about tithing lately, folks, is because there's a promise there. God says, if you do this, I'll do this. Test him. Okay. It's an easy way for us to see God work. But it's the same way with healing. It's the same way with anything else that you're believing for. Do you trust him? His word says this. Do you trust him? And here's the deal. And we've got to thank God that Thomas was one of the disciples. He said, until I can touch his hands, until I can see the wounds, I won't believe. Lord, until I can really... And God still says, okay. And he brings us in. He will meet you at the point of your faith. The young man that Jesus went to heal his son, and and the guy said, I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. Anybody in that boat? I believe, but you're going to have to help my unbelief. It's okay. Jesus is bigger than that. Amen? Amen. So wherever you are today, let's start off by just being honest with God and give him something to work with and say, Lord, I believe, but this situation's hard for me, and I know I gripe and complain about it, and I know sometimes I don't believe, but I really want to. Help me, and he'll meet you there, wherever you are. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you for each precious life that's here today. Each of these covenant partners, if they're in this room today... Father, if they're in this room, if they've accepted you as Savior and Lord, then they are your covenant partner. Lord, you have all the promises of the Bible are theirs. And Lord, I pray today that we'll begin to get a revelation. More and more it will rise up in us that we are your covenant partners. We are your children bought with your own blood so that we could be free. And Father... There may be those here today that have never taken that step. They've never received you as Savior. They've never become a partner with you. They've never come into the family of God. And if you're here today and that's you, you'd say, Pastor, I have never asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I've never received him. But I want to do that today. If that's you, I want you just to slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me today. I have never received Jesus, but I want to do that. Today, I want to do that. Amen. Amen. Well, maybe you're here today, and you say, Pastor, I've received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I'm not walking with Him, and I want to. I want to rededicate my life today. If that's you, today you want to rededicate your heart to Jesus, just slip your hand up. Anywhere in the congregation, you say, Pastor, that's me today. I need to rededicate my life today. Amen. Well, this is the last call today. If you're here today and you're fighting a sickness in your body, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever, you've got something that you're fighting in your body right now. I'm telling you what, down here at the altar, God will meet you at this altar today. I believe that. So if that's you today, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I just want you to come down front, come down front, and we're going to agree in faith that God will meet you at the point of your need. If that's you, just come down. I want some of our prayer partners to come. And we're going to get around these folks. And we're all going to pray today that God will touch them. Amen? So let's all stay in an attitude of prayer, okay?
tell you something. Monica just said, we were praying over here, and she said, you know, the Lord woke me up at four o'clock this morning to pray for Sue. When the Lord prompts you about somebody, you never know what they're dealing with. And when that happens, when somebody comes to your mind, take a second and pray for them. Whatever the situation is, you don't know. It could be something physical. It could be something going on their day. But the Lord trusts you with that. He's giving you a sacred trust. So if the Lord ever gives you a word about somebody or a situation, you don't need to go share that with everybody. What you need to do is pray because He trusts you to pray for that situation. So you need to lift them up. And you could be the person, remember the keys that we held? God may be giving you the key that sets that person free. And you've got to use it right. Amen? If everybody will stand, I'm going to dismiss this today. And tonight, because I'm the pastor and I can just decide stuff... (laughs) Here's what we're going to do tonight. For those of you that come tonight, we're just going to cook outside. We're going to have hamburgers and hot dogs and just have a good time. Now, being that I can make those decisions, I'm not the one to coordinate those things. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you. So, some of the ladies who love me dearly, <laughs> since Trisha's not here, <laughs> I can decide these things so I won't get in trouble. <laughs> But, Monica, if you'll come down here and sue. <laughs> you know, it's awesome to be in charge. <laughs> That's right. But if you're interested in coming tonight, Monica is going to be down here. Christy, if you wouldn't mind maybe coming. And, and we're just going to ride down, and, and we'll gather up some things and, and just have a good time tonight. Father, I pray a blessing over this family. Lord, I thank you for all those visitors that are here today. Lord, I pray a a special touch for them too, Lord, that you would bless them and meet them at the point of their need and encourage them. Lord, I thank you that you are our healer. Lord, and and your promises are for us. And Lord, I just pray that there are those as we all leave today that you would bless our steps. And Father, as we walk out of these doors, help us to see people the way that you see them. Lord, and help us to love people the way that you love them. And, And Father, help us to set those people free that you died for. And I thank you for that. Lord, let us all have a safe time this weekend. Keep us all safe and let us have fun. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. Um, Yes.